Hello, this is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with this week's parenting podcast on lessons from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. On December 6th, I podcasted that A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was a fantastic movie. Some of the hidden lessons uh, from A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, hidden lessons from Mr. Rogers, who we're still learning about uh, for, for even years later. Some of the hidden lessons I talked about on my podcast on December 6th was, you know, I loved the pacing, the patient pacing of Mr. Rogers. Also, conversations were meaningful, the value of the relationship, and healing from forgiveness. How many movies really get into the ideas of making amends, pursuing deep forgiveness, reconciliation, and redemption? In our hyper-stimulating stimulus response culture, rarely any movie. I also talked about mindfulness in the brain and the research that shows that Mr. Rogers being mindfully aware and present with people he's connecting with, uh, with his patience and with his pacing and in meaningful conversations and saying there's nothing more important right now in the whole world to me, Lloyd, than talking to you. Um, it had such an effect. Um, it had such an effect on Lloyd. But what I want to do is I want to get into the kind of conversation that Mr. Rogers provides to children. I want to get into very specific kinds of conversation that he does with children. There are powerful lessons for us as parents when we talk with our children. According to Maxwell King, uh, the Pittsburgh Theological Seminary uh, is a place that Mr. Rogers studied from. And uh, there was a teacher there that was recommended to Mr. Rogers with whom he studied with in the child developmental expert Margaret McFarland there. Um, and there he was, Mr. Rogers was exposed to the theories of, of various faculty, legendary fac, uh, faculty, including McFarland, Benjamin Spock, Eric Erickson, and T. Barry Brazelton. Mr. Rogers learned the highest standards in this emerging academic field of child development, and he applied them to his program for almost 50 years. And Mr. Rogers insisted that every word, whether spoken by a person or a puppet, be scrutinized closely because he knew that children, the preschool-age boys and girls who made up the core of his audience, they tend to hear things literally. So some of, uh, some of the staff called some of Mr. Rogers' language freddish, kind of a freddish language. Um, but what he emphasized was he anticipated the ways the, its listeners might misinterpret what was being said. So for, inst- for instance, uh, there was a scene in a hospital in which a nurse inflating a blood pressure cuff originally said, I'm going to blow this up. And so Mr. Rogers, he didn't like the line because he, he wanted to change it to, I'm going to puff this up with some air because blow it up might sound like there's an explosion. And he didn't want the kids to cover their ears and miss what would happen next while they're viewing the program. So it's little things like this that Mr. Rogers deeply cared about. And there's great lessons there for, uh, to learn. I want to go through nine steps that were, that were important in the way that Mr. Rogers approached language.
So here's step number one for translating language into what his colleagues affectionately called Fredish, but into the language that Mr. Rogers approached when it came to the programs and reaching the children who could interpret literally. Okay, so step one, state the idea you wish to express as clearly as possible and in terms preschoolers can understand. So an example, it is dangerous to play in the street. Step two, rephrase in a positive manner. As in, it is good to play where it is safe. Step three, rephrase the idea, bearing in mind that preschoolers cannot yet make subtle distinctions and need to be redirected to authorities they trust. As in, ask your parents where it is safe to play. Step four, Rephrase your idea to eliminate all elements that could be considered prescriptive, directive, or instructive. In the example, that would mean getting rid of ask. Your parents will tell you where it is safe to play. Step 5. Rephrase any element that suggests certainty. So that's the word, that's the word will. Your parents can tell you where it is safe to play. Step six, rephrase your idea to eliminate any element that may not apply to all children. Not all children know their parents. They're single parents, adopted parents, foster parents, children on their own. Okay, so your favorite grown-ups can tell you where it is safe to play. Step seven, add a simple motivational idea that gives preschoolers a reason to follow your advice. Perhaps your favorite grown-ups can tell you where it is safe to play. It is good to listen to them. Step eight, rephrase your new statement, repeating the first step. Good represents a value judgment. So, your favorite grown-ups can tell you where it is safe to play. It is important to try to listen to them. And finally, step nine. Rephrase your idea a final time, relating it to some phase of development a preschooler can understand. Maybe, your favorite grown-ups can tell you where it is safe to play. It is important to try to listen to them. And listening is an important part of growing. If you stayed with me and just listened to those nine steps in the progression and the development of these nine steps into translating into Fredish or Mr. Rogers' way of delivering steps for children, it's amazing. Let's go back to some of the key things uh, key lessons, patience, patient pacing, having a peaceful presence, thinking about what you say that's important and reaches and and reaching the children. Pretty amazing stuff. See a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and let's continue to learn life lessons. Continue to apply the life lessons. For Mr. Rogers. This is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with this week's parenting podcast.